Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Uh, brothers and sisters. Jazakallah khair for joining us for the Friday Circle. Uh, today we have Bai Farhad, who's going to be talking about justice, capitalism, and Islam. And I'm sure we're aware over the last, um, not over the last few years, over, over a number of decades, uh, we've seen problem after problem throughout the world. Uh, recently, it's been with George Floyd, um, the attack from, uh, from the police uh, to a civilian. Um, in this country, we've seen the case of Stephen Lawrence, um, where justice wasn't served. Um, also, we know very uh, uh, fondly the brother Mohammed Salim, uh, who was uh, stabbed outside the masjid in Birmingham. Um, and this continues. Uh, this uh, issue of injustice continues around the world. We've seen gun crime in America. We've seen drug wars. Um, we've seen people uh, who are innocent being uh, jailed. Uh, the very famous story of um, a lawyer called Stephen Cohen in the USA who was um, highlighting the fact that black people were being uh, arrested for very minor offences and being put into the criminal justice system in order for the private companies and enterprises to earn money. Um, so we've seen injustice after injustice. And uh, with this uh, Stanley Cohen, he was also arrested. Um, sent to prison as well because the, those people that he was trying to hold to account used them to actually incarcerate him as well. Um, so this is the, the sort of backdrop of the world today. Uh, so inshallah, hopefully Brother Fahad can give us an idea of what this, this system has created in terms of justice and uh, compare it to Islam and how we may solve the problem, inshallah. So without further ado, I'd like to pass over to Brother Fahad. Jazakallah khair. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashraf al-anbiya mursayin nabina Muhammad wa ala ali wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So as Brother Aftab said, we're going to discuss um, the judicial system um, that exists in the West and, and its attempts to um, enact justice uh, and compare and contrast that with, with Islam. Um, and I think um, we're all aware of the, 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 um, the image that... Um, portrays justice as far as the, the, the West sees. I don't know if you've heard of this, this uh, image of Lady Justice. Uh, it's the image of a, of a, of a, of a lady um, with a blindfold. She's got a sword in one, uh, a sword in one hand. And that's meant to um, depict the image of a, of a strong judicial system that is impartial, um, that doesn't, um, that, that is fair, uh, doesn't discriminate against any, any of its population. That's the image, at least, that we've we've uh, we've been told is the aim of uh, the judicial system in the in the Western world. But as we'll come to see, and I'm sure we realise um, anyway, it's far um, from reaching these um, these ideals that it set. So this idea of, of, of Lady Justice is far from a from a blind. And as Aftab said, in with respect to the people of colour, we've seen lots of examples of that over the last um, few months, um, and how. Um, there is clear discrimination in terms of the way the judicial system and the criminal justice system deals with, with the black population uh, in the US and also obviously in the UK. So, for instance, in, in, um, 
in uh, America, we found that we find that the, as the stats mentioned here, 12 percent of the U.S. population uh, are black, but 33 um, percent of them um, may, uh, are people serving a sentence. So one third, fully one third of people that are in prison in the United States are black. And that's, you know, doesn't represent the population as a whole. It's, they far exceed the number of people in, in prison, which tells us something about the, the, the discrimination in the judicial system. Obviously, whites, on the other hand, are 63% of the population, and they're only one-third of the of the inmates in, in prisons there. Um, all in all, the U.S. Um, jails hold about 2.2 million um, people in the in the U.S. It's the most incarcerated nation um, on the planet. Um, and there's a nice documentary you, you'll get on, on, find on Netflix um, that talks about it. It's called The 13th. And this is about the 13th Amendment, which was the... Um, the um, Following the the American Civil War, we know they abolished slavery, which we talked about before. Um, but they've made an ex ex exception to that um, that slavery cannot be cannot, cannot be uh, um, enforced except as a punishment for a crime. That is, um, when they lost their labour force, there was there were attempts to try and think, well, what do we do now? We need we need to we need a population that can, can that can work. So as a result of that, this this documentary argues that. Um, the African-Americans are arrested for trivial offences and they're incarcerated um, on the on on spurious charges often um, in order to perform hard labour in, in prisons. Um, and you'll find that even on, on uh, um, particularly um, small um, offences like um, uh, comparatively in terms of possession of drugs like crack, um, you'll find that um, blacks are put into into prisons, and they've been argue, um, um, arguments put forward to make mandatory minimum sentences. That is, there should be minimum sentences for for such people that they should at least be incarcerated. This documentary argues that it's all about creating um, a workforce in the um, uh, in the prisons in in the US, um, because as as we know, we we call this this um, ideology capitalism. It's really um, all about the about money. So in the U.S. at the moment, you'll find that um, there are um, there are, as we said, 20, um, 22 million people incarcerated. Uh, and that's uh, a cost of 65 billion U.S. dollars. And these people, um, they get them to work in prisons. I don't know if you're, you're aware, but these people don't just um, uh, go there and serve their sentences, play with their iPads and watch TV all day. They're there to work and they get paid something like 25 cents an hour. So it's actually a big business. One of the most um, profitable businesses in the US is running prisons and they are privatized, as you would imagine, is, is the case with the capitalism, uh, capitalist ideology. So as one, one guy, um, one uh, commentator, um, he argues, he says that um, these, these um, companies that run these uh, prisons they, he, I'll quote from him. He says they don't have to worry about strikes or pay, paying unemployment insurance. They don't have to worry about vacations, uh, patients. All of their workers are full time and never arrive late or absent because of family problems. Okay, so the the issue is that these people are a good source of uh, of uh, revenue. Um, and as you'll imagine, in this ideological capitalism, it's all about money. It's all about um, the the bottom line. So even in terms of incarceration and imprisonment. It's about making money out of this, um, of this, uh, to the expense of of black people. But as as we um, we know, it's not just people of color. Um, we found we find even in the, uh, looking now to the to the UK, um, it's 
poor people that are also being targeted by the criminal justice system. So there's been a collapse in police numbers over the last few years, which is, many people have argued this is not a cause for um, for criminality and for the rise of crime. But of, of course, there is a connection. We found also that uh, the Crown Prosecution Service has lost a quarter of its budget and a third of its staff since the austerity measures began. Um, and that means that um, things are really stretched in terms of people getting their 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 rights within the system. Because, because of these cuts, it has meant there's been cuts to legal aid um, since 2012. And Amnesty even have said that these cuts to legal aid can ser seriously impede access to judge, uh, of justice for thousands of people, particularly those who are not well off. To to um, to get legal aid, to let to get legal aid um, to qualify for legal aid, you need to be earning um, or have a household income of less than thirty seven thousand. Uh, so that sounds, you know, quite fair. Many people that don't earn that amount of money will get some legal aid. But um, it's argued that to get a defence counsellor costs upward of £100,000 to £300,000. So you can imagine, you know, for for those who are people, poopy people that are poor, it's going to be very difficult. Not least that they're not the staff there to deal with these these issues. They've lost their their, their um, uh, budget. They've lost their staff, which means now people that are trying to get justice for the poor... Sometimes they have one hour to review a case, which often means that people that are guilty uh, will go free and the innocent will be punished. So this tells us there's a form of uh, injustice here that there's that the that the people that are poor uh, are often disadvantaged um, because of the, the cuts in legal aid. Um, Lady Hell, who's the former UK senior judge at the Supreme Court, um, she went on um, Radio Four on a uh, on a BBC appeal, believe it or not to ask for donations to, to, to charity to support uh, legal aid. So imagine this, you've got the head of the of the top court in the U UK going on, on, on a radio programme. This is not for comic relief or for for um, uh, for um, children's, children's aid appeal. This is for getting pe people um, help to, to get justice. Yeah, the people that have been out, out on bail who are put too poor to pay bail, for example, who are too too poor to to hire a lawyer? She's out there asking for the um, donations from the from the public. So it's not just people of color; it's also the poor that are disadvantaged through this market justice system. And we can see examples of this. Uh, some recent cases, you know, Aftab has mentioned a few, but they show shows that compare and contrast the uh, the the way the justice system treats those people who are well off and those who are not so well off. So. An Oxford student, uh, Lavinia Woodward, this is some, some time back, she was uh, um, convicted of um, hurting her her partner uh, and it was an unlawful assault after um, a drug-fueled row and an alcohol-fueled row. She was involved in grievous bodily harm against her partner. Uh, in the in the court case, the judge said because of her, the fact that she's, she's a, a student of medicine and she's an extraordinarily able young lady, um, he said it would be best to avoid a prison sentence. So here we have a situation where the judge takes into account the um, the, the person's uh, social standing in order to, pa to pass a judgment in this case, not to pass a judgment um, in this case. So contrast that with Cato Harris, who was a teacher in an independent school, which happened about the same time. He was accused of a sexual assault by a former pupil of his. And um, the he would have got off fine because there was no, no evidence for this case, as it was later found uh, late, later found, but the complainant had wealthy parents, and he, uh, as it turned out later on, he subjected the CPS to enormous pressure to prosecute. So 
the judges that re reviewed the case said that there was third party pressure that led to an improper decision to charge um, Cato Harris. So again, money talks him. Yeah, if you've got the, the money there, you can put pressure on the system to get what you want. Um, but it's not just the fact that the poor don't get um, a fair deal in the justice system. There are also um, positive uh, discrimination in terms of people who are who are poor being criminalized, and they call it criminalizing poverty. Yeah, there are examples. For example, we know the Vagrancy Act, which goes back to 1824, where you can get um, imprisoned and sentenced for begging and sleeping rough. So imagine this: you've been out on the streets for one one reason or another. Maybe you've been kicked out of your house, and you're out there begging or you know uh, looking for a living. Instead of the, the the state coming in and supporting you and helping you out, you're sentenced to um, for this. You're convicted as as a criminal for doing this. This is a way that a poor person poverty is criminalised in the in the in the UK. We also have examples of council um, people that don't pay their council tax. They default on their council tax, and there are many examples of this in the, in the in the media who've been imprisoned as a result of this failure to pay the council tax. And again, that unfairly um, affects the poor. There have been cases also of, of mothers who've shoplifted uh, baby formula, milk, and nappies to look after their kids, uh, and as a result of that, they've been they've been sent to prison. Kids who are who have who have special needs. Who are too scared? They have um, mental health issues, and they're not able to to um, attend school. They've been prosecuted under truancy laws. So we can see that under um, capitalism, um, poverty can, will secure injustice. You're guaranteed injustice as if you're poor and if you're a person of color. But money can uh, secure justice, which we'd understand is a theme in capitalism. M money is what talks in this ideology. But that's not all that's wrong with the system. It doesn't just criminalize uh, and, and affect unfairly the poor and people of color. But there are also inherent problems within the system. So, for example, we have this concept of plea bargaining within the judicial system. And that means you will be taken, you will be in a court case for something and your lawyer will, will, will advise you uh, in order to get a, le a lower punishment or to avoid a prison sentence or to avoid a longer prison sentence, he will advise, advise you to plead guilty or not guilty, or to plead guilty to, to certain charges and not other charges. So that's something that I think is quite you know, important to, to point out because it's not about reaching the truth. The, the lawyer's job is really to make sure that his, his client doesn't get the, um, the, the full sentence. He's interested in getting the, be your, the best deal for you. Yeah, it's almost like an accountant. Yeah, sorry to any accountants out there, but accountants do a similar job. They, their job is to ensure that you don't pay tax. They're not interested in the tax system. Their their job is to ensure that you pay as little tax as possible. A good accountant is one that gets you a better deal. Yeah, it's not about what the law says. It's not about how much you should pay or you shouldn't pay. It's about getting the the, the best deal. And it's the same way in the judicial system. The 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 um, lawyer will advise you. Um, on the grounds that not not the grounds of truth, but on the grounds that I I think you'll get a better deal if we do this. If you plea guilty or not guilty here, or if you plead guilty to these charges, you'll get a better deal. So that's a real inherent problem. It's not about reaching the truth, not about reaching um, a satisfactory conclusion. It's about getting the best deal for the client. There's also a problem with the um, jury system. Now this the jury system, and we know about the idea of twelve men and women sitting together who pass judgment over over the uh, defendant. Um, and these people are lay people. And the idea behind that historically was to get people who are um, to be judged by their peers rather than getting these these judges um, who are from, you know, a different class to them. Let's get the 
people who are, you know, from your own peers to come and, and decide whether you're guilty or not guilty. So it really came to fix a problem that was already there within capitalism. But it came to create another problem, which is that these people, like you and me, we have, they have no idea about the about um, the judicial system. They have no idea about cr um, criminology. And they come with their own biases and their own backgrounds. And there are, again, many examples um, about how um, some cases have been have been um, have been moved. For example, um, again, there's a nice documentary on this called um, um, the uh, Miscarriages of, of Justice. Uh, actually, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's uh, sorry, it's called Trial by Media. It's another um, documentary that talks about how the media have influenced um, uh, court cases. Okay, and they've actually one one example is that that they decided to move. The, jury, the 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 trial from one area to another area because in this area the, the jury we but would be more likely because they were ethnically mixed to judge in favor of their the um the the black um uh defendant and so they decided to move it to an all white area yeah and that tells you more about the judicial the, the jury system which is that it's inherently biased it's about uh, it's about people who are you, like you and me who just go out there and pass judgment who are, who are not, not qualified and you know no, none of us would like to be put in front of a group of people and be judged by them when they have no idea of about about the, the system um, there's also the um, appeal system which is that you have um, um, people uh, that will go to one court get a, a judicial verdict and then they will, they will appeal that system and go on to, to another one yeah and you, again we'll have cases where a person will be tried um, convicted, go to another court, higher court, and be be freed. But you know, we need to ask the question: Why wasn't the the correct verdict reached in the first place? Yeah, you know, why do we have to have this appeal system? Why do people have to go through this you know this system uh, and and be prosecuted first time round and be 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 um, uh, found guilty and then be found not guilty the second time around? Yeah, so that that itself is a is a um, an indication of the failing of this system. There is also the opacity of the system that it's a very difficult system to navigate for lay people. Now, you know, I'm sure some of us may have been involved in court cases before. I was I was involved in one some years back, um, and it was to do with a, a car. I had a car accident, and the um, when I got to my car to be repaired, the, the the repair people said, "Oh, by the way, we're doing a deal at the moment. We're able to give you a a, um, a car for free to to." Um, you know, why we repair your car? And I thought, okay, that's fine. Why are we repairing your car? I took a car for two days. The next thing I know, I'm getting these summons from from a court saying that to come in. It's not about you. It's about the the company that that lent you the car. Okay, and I went into this this court case and I, I sat in there, and I, I have no idea what they were talking about. Yeah, you, the terminology that was being used, the language that was being used. You know, you don't no idea. You know um, about this, and you know, I've got a reasonable understanding of the English language, but. I didn't understand what they were talking about. Yeah, it was it was a completely foreign language to me. So this system, by its very nature, is very difficult to navigate, very difficult to understand. Which means we can't navigate, we can't you know enter it ourselves and find out what's going on. It's lots of intricacies and lots of you know um, um, issues that we that no layperson can can um, uh, can engage with. And sometimes you don't know what you've been found guilty. With. This this court case this day, I have no idea what that was about. Yeah, and that leads on to the bureaucracy. That many cases. You'll find that you'll you'll undertake will take literally years to um to to resolve, and there will be sometimes you know five or six years for a case that that really should take about a year or so, or maybe even less than that. And it's all because of bureaucracy. And some of these cuts that we mentioned haven't helped. 
And then there's vampires, yeah? And I call vampires, uh, I, I call the lawyers in there vampires. The average lawyer charged between, charges between 200 and 300 pounds an hour. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I don't earn that amount of money. And I don't think many of us earn that type of type of money. And you wonder what these people do. In some cases, some cases you might you might be involved in, like this one here, about the, the lease of, the, of a car. I don't think for, you know, writing a set of letters and looking at the, you know, the, the legalities of what happened, that these people deserve to earn 200, 300 pounds an hour. A, a brain surgeon, fine. Someone who works to launch uh, astronauts into outer space, fine, yeah? Uh, someone who removes a brain tumour, that's fine. 200, 300 pounds an hour is, is, is nothing for that, yeah? But for someone who, who represents you in a court to earn 200, 300 pounds an hour, that's, that's obscene, um, especially in, in uh, the times that we're living in today. So these are some of the other failings of the capitalist system. So let's go on to Islam now. So how is Islam different? And I think it's important for us to to be aware and to be familiar with some of the features of the Islamic ruling system because it's often accused of this these concepts of summary justice, uh, arbitrariness, and harshness. Yeah, this is these are the the type of um, things that people say when they come to looking at the um, the uh, judicial system under Islam. So it's important for us as Muslims to be clear. You know, this is what these are the some of the features. These are some of the characteristics of this. So we're familiar when we're engaging with people to show them the superiority of the system. So let's look at some of the punishments of the of the system. First of all, we are all aware of the hudud. Yeah, the, these are these are the the rights of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and these are rules which are limited in number. There are differences of opinion about what constitutes the hudud. Uh, but there are just a, a several um, punishments that exist, which are the rights of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and these are punishments which are often quite harsh, often quite dramatic. Um, but they are, and they are not able to be waived by anyone. So, if a person is found guilty uh, of these things, then uh, they will be um, they will be punished. These are the rights of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and they're the ones that you'll find often characterize the the ruling the judicial system when you're talking to people in the West. They'll talk about, oh, this is cut in the hand of the thief. You're talking about stoning the adulterer. But these are only, I say, a handful of rules that exist, a handful of punishments that exist within the system, which it would be unfair to characterize the whole of the system because they're only a handful compared to the thousands, thousands of rules that exist. So that's hudud. Then we have the jinayat, which are the punishments which are in, in, in relation to a criminal, a criminal act against an, an individual. And this this system, so for example, someone who is murdered, for instance, the rights of deciding the punishment for the uh, for that the death of that individual will be given to the family members. The family will decide. And this is something that is quite um, unique in the when we compare this with the with the um, uh, Western system, in that it gives rights to the victims um, in terms of deciding the type of punishment. And I remember watching a, a video um, some years back of, uh, of, a, of a family. I tried to dig up the, the video, but I couldn't find it. It was a, about a, a, a father who had, had experienced the Western system and his, something had happened to his daughter and the, 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 the criminal that was involved um, had got quite a comparatively um, mild sentence as a result of this. Now, his, his issue, and he, he pointed to the Islamic ruling system, the judicial system, and he said that this system is fairer in, the, in that it gives rights to the victims, the victims' families, because we're the ones who are going to suffer, and, and obviously the victim has suffered, and we are the ones who are going to suffer the penalty of this. And the Islamic system has got it right by giving rights to the victims and the victims' families to decide the punishment. And this is a unique feature of 
the um, the the judicial system in Islam in in this category called the jinayat. The third category of punishment are the ta'zirat, which are the punishments um, which are at the discretion of the judge. And these are acts that people would commit in the in the society which Islam hasn't prescribed a specific punishment for, but are forbidden acts. So, for example, someone who is who addresses indecently outside, someone who uh, who um, pickpockets um, someone, someone who is involved in embezzlement or in, in some, f- some form of fraud. These are things which Islam hasn't dis- decreed a particular punishment for, and they will be left to the um, judge's discretion. Yeah, and I'll talk about the judges, the role of the judges, um, in a, in a, in, a, in a minute, inshallah. But these are these are discretionary punishments of the judge. The last set of um, punishments are the mukhalafat, which are uh, laws that are set down by the government. Okay, so the government will decide in the areas of, of mubah or permissibility rules that people need to follow. So, for example, people may not shouldn't litter for example yeah so they shouldn't litter and there'll be a punishment for people that litter so there may be you know uh, a punishment like a fine so if you found uh, you know fly tipping for example you there'll be a fine of 100 pounds yeah where does this come from this is decided by the khalifa he says you know and his and his um his um departments they will decide someone who does this he'll be punished like this so these will be punishments that the state would decide uh, the levels of, and they will they will enact these things. So these are the four um, types of punishments we have within the Islamic system. We also have three types of judges within the the judicial system. We have the Qadi Am, which I'm sure we're all um, aware of, and these are judges. Um, unlike that romantic image, or you know that negative romantic image or ne- negative image that they have of what the the um, judicial system of some elderly man sitting under a tree and, you know, just passing judgment uh, on people, you know, randomly. There are sessions in this, in that that people will come and there'll be court court cases that will take place between the defendant and the plaintiff. Okay, there'll there'll be these these sessions that exist. And these qadis qadis will also be um, uh, trained fuqaha. So they'll have knowledge about the, the, um, the uh, about Islamic law and about punishments and, and so on and so forth. So they will not be lay people uh, like we have in the in the Western system where we have um, the juries. And and by the way, also magistrates. You heard of magistrates courts. These people are also also people that are not legally trained who will also be involved in in you know, for example, granting or denying bail for for potential criminals or innocent people. In this case, in sometimes in some cases, okay. Um, the other unique thing about the Qadi Am is that it's a, uh, one feature of the Islamic uh, judicial system is that um, it's not an adversarial system. Uh, and we all know, you know, we've watched on TV uh, a court case taking place where we've experienced it ourselves, where you have the the barrister for the uh, the prosecutor and, and one for the uh, defendant, okay? And, you, and this is what's called an adversarial system, which is that they will bring their arguments and they will tear apart the arguments of, of, the, of the opposite side. Yeah, so there'll be an... You know, almost there'll be an argument taking place, and then there'll be a decision as to who who won that argument. Okay, so you have these two two parties that exist in the Western system. Under the Islamic system, it's what's called an inquisitorial system, in that a judge who is qualified, the, the faqih, will look at the the situation, will look at the Islamic the, the reality of the of the situation and the evidence brought forward, and then they will look to the Islamic evidences related to this, and he will investigate that. He will he will be he will study that issue. 
and then you'll come up with a verdict at the at the end of that. So that's what's called an inquisitorial system, which has many you know advantages. Um, uh, in which even legal experts point out, yeah, that this is some lots of advantages. Um, you know, one being that it doesn't leave itself prey to the to the um, to um, one prosecutor who's better than the other, who's more skillful than the defendant, for example, the defendant lawyer. So there are sometimes, uh, you know, um, cases where uh, a case will be won based on how good the defense lawyer is or how good the prosecutor's um, um, the prosecutor prosecutor's lawyers are. Okay, so the inquisitorial system gets around that. You have a judge who's qualified. He investigates. He finds out the you know the, the details, and it could be others who advise him also, and he passes judgment, which is a far fairer far uh, fairer system. Okay, and there are that should be different departments. You have different departments within the state, so we can have in the Islamic State uh, people that are tri tried for um, um, crimes, people that are tried for uh, the jinayat. You have other departments for small claims and and so on and so forth. So the Islamic system um, allows for that. So that's the qadi am. The second type of qadi is the qadi muhtasib, who is the uh, one who protects public rights, and this individual protects the society as a whole. Okay, so he so he would protect standards in society. He'll ensure safety exists in society and fair advertising. So, for example, um, you know he will approach the shops to make sure that there are safety uh, standards being there, that there will be fire exits in place, that there will be no false advertising if it's a shop, uh, that there will be training, uh, um, adequate training, for example, if it's required in uh, in in a particular business. Yeah. So these people are proactive. Um, they will go out. They'll go out and investigate proactively these things. They don't have to wait for anyone to complain to them to say, look, you need to ensure standards have been met here. Uh, they'll go out there and ensure proactively that standards will be met. So that performs an important function in ensuring that public the public rights are protected. They don't you don't need to have a um a complainant in, in these uh, in this um in this system. And in this case, you don't need sessions, okay? You don't need to have this person brought forward. They can issue fines uh, and they can issue punishments to people uh, there and then. And they'll have a police force and other people who will be with them to enact punishment. So the people can can rest be rest assured, the public can be rest assured that the society is protected, okay? That no one can, you know, uh, that there'll be good standards uh, in society from, from businesses, that people will be adequately trained and there'll be good um, safety standards and so on. The last judge uh, is the Qadim Adhanim, which I'm sure we've heard of before, but he's the one who deals with violations of the state. So he, this department looks at uh, any problems which the people face with respect to the state, and not just the Khalifa himself, but the departments of the state, the Mu'awinun, who are the assistants of the, of the Khalifa, the, the Wali, uh, and, and so on and so forth. All the departments of the, of the state, all the, the branches of the state, any problems with them, he will, this, this uh, Qadi will investigate. And again, he can be proactive. He doesn't have to wait for a complaint, even though complaints will be received by his department and he will act on them. But he will be proactive in watching what the Khalifa is doing and what the departments are doing and make recommendations and enact punishments if necessary. So this is an overview. These are the three types of judges that exist within the within the system. So what are some other features and principles of this system? So the first is that there will be no... Um, uh, there is presum presumption of innocence. Okay, so no one can be um, punished unless they are proven guilty. And as we said, with regards to the hudud, there is a high burden of proof. Okay, the Prophet ﷺ said in, a, in a, um, a famous hadith about leaving the um, the punishment uh, if you're not if you're not sure. Okay, and um, 
um, uh, Suyuti, he talks, he talks about this. And he says, the pr- a principle of the state of law states that hudud are suspended suspended by doubts. So, as I mentioned before, the hudud can be quite severe punishments. But if, any, if there's any doubt in the situation, any doubt at all in the mind of the judge, he is to let the, the, uh, the person free. So there's a high burden of proof um, in this. And um, e- even in other cases which don't involve the hudud, the person is innocent until proven guilty. So you can be rest assured that there has to be evidence brought forward to if you've done something wrong in order to um, uh, to convict you. So you can be rest assured there'll be no miscarriages of carriages of justice that we've seen, you know, numerous of in the in the Western uh, Western judicial system. Uh, the Islamic State is also not a police state. So um, even though we we can say some aspects of it are quite can be quite harsh, like the hudud. Um, well, the state will not interfere in the private lives of individuals. There'll be no spying, no phone tapping, and investigating people's um, crimes and their their home lives to convict them of, of of criminal actions. Okay, so what you do in your own home is 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 left to, um, to you're left to your own devices as an individual. Punishments will be enacted on 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 things that are committed in public. Okay, they'll be committed uh, people that commit in public, um, and of course there'll be no discrimination. So the state won't. Um, punish those people who are um, uh, poor and spare those people that are, are rich. We, the famous um, um, incident of the of um, um, of the woman who was brought forward from uh, from the Quraysh, who was brought forward at Osama, and he came and wanted to intercede for her. And she was from a, a well-to-do tribe, uh, a wealthy tribe, and he came to intervene with the... Um, uh, to the Prophet for for prevention of uh, of um, of uh, of or theft or stealing, so the Prophet asked him, "Do you intercede regarding a punishment prescribed by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala?" And he then gave a speech to the people, and he said, "There was a people that came before you that were destroyed because if a pe- person of high status committed a, a, a theft amongst them, they would spare him, but if a person of lower status committed theft, they would apply the punishment upon him." And he said, by Allah, if Fatima, the daughter of Muhammad, would steal, I would cut off her hand. So here he's saying the premise that it's not about how much, you know, how wealthy you are, how um, how much money you have, which family you're from. You, if you commit a crime, you're going to be punished. Okay, so you can be rest assured if you're, you're, you're guilty, you will be punished. We're not going to spare those who are wealthy, those who are well-to-do at the expense of, of the poor. So there's no hierarchy in this. And of course, Islam doesn't discriminate on the basis of, of of uh, of color, the color of skin, uh, the very it's very clear you find in our in our text, uh, uh, you know about this issue that you know there is no uh, superiority of a black over a white and vice versa. Okay, there's also as we mentioned other aspects of the of the system, such that it's um it's transparent, and I mentioned the fact that you don't have you don't have a system which people can't understand. The Islamic system, the books of fiqh and the big books of jurisprudence are something if with some you know some understanding, some learning, you can access, understand what you're being tried for and the evidence that the, the judge is going to be u- using in order to deal with you. Yes, it's sophisticated. Yes, there's a lot of deep stuff in there, but it's something that's transparent. You can understand it. There are no, um, uh, there is, it's not covered with, you know, terminology that no one can understand. It's something that's accessible um, to all of us, such that an individual can go and represent himself in 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 court in court cases, which was often the case in in the past, so you don't have the need for rich lawyers, these vampires that come in and and uh, benefit at the expense of of defendants and and um, and even prosecution to to make uh, to make money. 
And the aim is to find the truth in the Islamic, in the Islamic system. Okay, it's not about getting a light sentence or uh, expediency. It's about ensuring that the truth is found out. Yeah, and the, and the judge, his job is to ensure that the truth comes out in this case. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he warned about uh, the importance of not speaking um, in, in a way that will sway the judge. Okay, and he said that if you do that, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll get hellfire for doing that. So the judge's aim is to get to the truth, to find out who's guilty and who's not guilty. And also, as I mentioned before, it honours the rights of victims. Uh, and this is something that you know even non-Muslims will point out. That it's the fact that it gives rights to the victims who uh, of crimes. Uh, the jinayat, um, as we mentioned, it gives rights to, to victims. And it's also there are aspects of the judiciary that are proactive. That it goes out and prevents crimes before they they, they exist. And you know, too often we've seen crimes. Um, uh, you know, criminology here it deals with crimes that 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 occur, and not, it's not about prevention of crimes. Whereas we have aspects of the judicial system which are they investigating crimes even before they occur. So it ensures it protects society through the, the Qadi Muhtasib, and it protects the people from the excesses of, the potential excesses of the rulers through the Qadi Madalim, and they are proactive in, in making sure uh, that justice is, is, is fulfilled in society. So just to conclude, uh, we can see very clearly that justice in the West is stacked in favour of the rich and powerful, and that's part of the, the uh, ideology of capitalism, that it always... Um, grants rights to the rich over that of the poor. You'll find that the poorer minorities will then come off worse, and that also you know includes blacks, as we said, uh, and people of colour. Uh, Lady, just really that that uh, that um, the aim uh, to have blind justice is is clearly you know is clearly not a reality within this uh, within this judicial system. And Islam, in in contrast, we have a very sophisticated system. Uh, it's not about kangaroo courts and summary justice. But we need to, as Muslims, be aware of some of the details um, and the features of this of this system, um, and ensure you know people understand that it's proactive, that it's effective for all sector sectors. It's something that's transparent. It's uh, we don't don't need lawyers or unqualified juries, uh, and that it's a fair and just system. And I think you know that's really our our role as Muslims. Once we understand some of these aspects, to you know to revise it to memorize it and to go out to people and engage with them. So when they are faced with the injustices that we see on a, on a daily basis in the Western world and the, and the people that we, you know, that are affected by that, that we come into contact with, we can talk to them about the, the justice, the real justice of the Islamic judicial system. So inshallah, that's all I've got to say. Inshallah, if there's any questions or comments on that, um, Jazakallah khair by Farhad. Uh, inshallah, I'll open up the I'll open up the uh, floor to any questions or comments you may have. Uh, inshallah, if the brothers, you can uh, unmute yourself if you're on WebEx and ask a question, or alternatively, you can send it in the chat on WebEx uh, or on uh, Facebook. Inshallah, if you can make a comment or a question on Facebook as well. I think Idris, you have a question. Go ahead, inshallah. Assalamualaikum, brother. Yeah, um, you've spoken about um, uh, the judicial system, but in America, people are now arguing there could be like a dual system of a judicial system, as in, you know, there's um, a set, what, there's one set of rules for black people and another set of rules for white people. It's like, you know, when you see like the sentencing disparities and when you see 
the uh, rate of arrests. A lot of people think, oh, this is a one homogenized monolithic system and basically something has gone wrong. But some people argue, no, the system of white supremacy is working the way it was intended. This, the system was intended specifically to hurt minorities and people of color and to serve whites and the rich. Now, could you explain like the, perhaps the split and the um, two system of justice that is going on? Jazakallah khair. Yeah. I think, you know, um, uh, with regards to the, the system, I think the most powerful um, influence on all aspects of life in the Western world is capitalism. And, you know, we, we you know, maybe not everyone calls this system capitalism. You hear people say it's liber, lib, liber, um, libertarianism, freedom and democracy that we have in the West. And they, they call it different names. But capitalism, I think, is the most accurate because you know, money, capital really colours um, this system in all aspects of things. So that people of power will be the ones that have money. People that um, enact laws from above will be people that have money. People that get the justice will have will be the ones who have money, and so on. So I think it's really money that that talks within within the system within this system. So that's a very powerful and probably the most powerful influence. So that's why you'll find wh wherever you look. You'll find that there there are there will be a two tier system one for the rich and uh, one for the wealthy and one for the poor because it's you know it's money that really talks uh, you know I even in something like ju uh, justice but it's also in the issues of health education uh, influence media and, and so on everything you, you find that's, that's why it's accurate to call this ideology capitalism. Having said that, you know the other the other aspect of this system is that they believe in this concept of of democracy, don't they? So you'll naturally have mob rule you have the idea that that it's the majority of people that will rule over a minority and that means that the minority are naturally going to be disadvantaged if you're a minority it means that the majority will decide what we do and what we don't do and that's why we see it's fine to insult muslims and to attack islam and to you know draw caricatures and so on because it's affecting the minority okay and and you know you've got to take it because you know it's almost like that bully mentality we're we're more than you so we can say what say this there are certain things you can't say about the majority, okay? Because that's the, that's what the, the, the what the majority say. So you'll have that aspect of that system of the system, and you'll find then people of color, people religious minorities will always be always be at a disadvantage because you have this concept of democracy. It's the majority that will rule what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. So whether you call it white supremacy or you know or something else, you always find the majority will decide what is acceptable, what goes on what is allowed and what's not allowed within within a society and having you know also aspects of this are that you have this concept of nationalism uh, of nation and how you define that is also um up for grabs isn't it yeah when you say people say that the white anglo-saxon you know uh people we are the you know the we are the people that make up america this is what america looks like just like they say this is what britain looks like it's, it looks like this yeah there are people that argue that it's, there should be a color to what Britishness is, or there should be a colour to what um, American American is, and you're free to adopt opinions like this, aren't you? You're free to who be like this. Why don't you have any, you know, brown supremacists or black supremacists or white supremacists within Islam? Do you have any history of individuals who are from an Islamic background who set up groups and say we are the, you know, the Asian Brotherhood, or we are the Black Brotherhood, or we are the White Brotherhood within Islamic history? 
We never see that, do we? We've never had a history of that before because we're not free to, to concoct ideas like this and think, you know, this will be a good idea. Let's have this. Yeah. Whereas for some people, they'll think, you know, they'll develop ideas based around this racial identity and say, you know, whites should do this. Whites should be like this. We should con congregate together based around this this um, this thinking that we're white people and we're better than others. And there are also there's also reverse racism, don't forget. Yeah. So people who are who think that the white man is the devil and, you know, we're you know, we're the right people. So it, it it's it's it comes back to this ideology that that colors everything fundamentally, which is that it's about money, but also there are aspects of democracy, there are aspects of na um, nationalism, aspects of freedom of thought, which you know it's a dangerous cocktail. The whole lot together can will lead to all kinds of problems, to dis from discrimination, you know, one end, low level discrimination and glass ceilings, at the other end of you know full blown white supremacy. Yeah. If anybody else has a comment or a question, inshallah, you can come in. By far, you spoke about um, the various Qadis, and uh, one of them is the Qadi arm. And yeah. uh, as I understand it, he's um, like a street judge. So he's always available in the marketplace where people are trading or working, etc. Um, sorry, Qadim Adassim, sorry. Yeah. And um, uh, what, what, what are the advantages of this situation? Because obviously in, in the West, we see that if anybody has a dispute, it's a very long protracted uh, uh, situation. Uh, if we go to the Muslim world, uh, Pakistan is an example. Uh, we see a court system which is um, um, uh, not fit for purpose. We see people uh, uh, caught up for years and years in the court system, just as we do here, in fact, in this country. Um so what's the advantage of having necessarily a street judge? Why, why did that idea come about? Um, I mean, obviously, it's, it's from Sharia. You know, we, we've obviously been um, uh, legislated. And and the evidence for this this judge, by the way, is centers around the, uh, you know, the, the incident where the Prophet went into the marketplace and that incident where he told that man, you know, you know, everyone heard that aspect of it about the fact that we shouldn't steal. But the wider point to that, the, the societal implications of that action, was that he acted as a, a judge who punished that individual straight away and, and 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 rectified that false advertising. Okay, he rectified that problem straight away, and and it can be deduced then that what the the leader can do, he can uh, do, uh, he can delegate others to do. So we, so in other words, we can have a judge who performs the same action who who can deal with people uh, and then and punish people pro there and then proactively before a complaint comes up against against them so that's where the evidence that's the evidence uh, for this uh, this um this judge um he, he, this judge doesn't deal between individuals but he goes there to deal with um the the violations of the rights of the society so false advertising is a violation of all our rights right someone advertises something some uh, faulty goods for example or or, or um, tries to, to cheat people, uh, this affects everyone. It doesn't affect just the individual that bought those goods. Actually, it's an affront to the whole of society. So we want to make sure that we live in a society that is fair and that is just. And therefore, uh, this judge there is to ensure that. He goes out there and enforces that, you know, in, in businesses, in um, in all kinds of uh, enterprises with it that, that may affect us. And this would even be people that consume services, even, that, you know, that, that people, private services, so anyone that is um, in, involved in architectural or engineering or medicine, 
um, we are people that will 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 uh, be end users of these of these uh, of these of uh, these services, right? So we will live in buildings, but if they're not designed properly, the 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 you know the the state has the responsibility to ensure that standards are being met. Yeah, building regulations are being met. You want to ensure that doctors are being trained a- adequately. You want to ensure that um, all of these things are there in place to protect the society as as a whole. Um, so that's the qadi muhtasib, yeah. But you know, as a general principle, you know, in the Islamic system, also as we said that to to affect it to um, compare and contrast that with the bureaucracy that we're faced with the judicial system in the Western world, the Islamic system is, should be very efficient. And we'd say, you know, one would ask, why would it be very efficient? Is because the state will be driven uh, by the the this maxim of the Prophet when he said, "Yassiru wa tuassiru, bashiru wa tunafiru." He says, "Make things." You know, easy, make things easy and don't make things difficult for people. Make them come closer, make, don't make them run away. So the idea is that we want to ensure ease and um, uh, well-being for the people. That's the principle that should run throughout the administration of the state, every, all of its dealings with its citizens. So it wants, wants to make sure that people have a good experience, that their their needs are being met. Someone who's, who's uh, you know, been a victim, you don't want them to have to face cross-examination from a a you know defense lawyer you don't want them to have to wait years and years to get uh, you know a guilty verdict for you know someone that has uh, you know um violated them in some way or violated a member of their family in some way yeah so the state will ensure that justice will be meted out in an inefficient manner to to uh, ensure the well-being of its people so this is you know another important point the state will be there um, to ensure uh, efficiency and to ensure well-being I mean, you talked at length um, about the uh, different areas of uh, the Islamic punishment system. Uh, for example, yeah. the, the, the jinayat, the tazir, and the mukhalafat. Um, but um, people's perception of uh, the Islamic punishment system is that people are generally, especially in the Western world, and I'd argue maybe also in the Islamic world, frightened of uh, the Islamic punishment system um, in terms of what they've seen of uh, on the television and in uh, mass media in terms of stoning the adulterer as in Afghanistan, yeah. um, cutting the hands of thieves so that when they walk through Saudi Arabia, they see people with, well, generally poor people with their hands and feet cut, uh, beheadings, um, as we've seen from ISIS and in Afghanistan over the years and various other places around the world. Um, so how, how would you counteract that? Because, it, you know, pe- people might perceive this as, hang on, this, this Islamic um, uh, punishment system is quite barbaric, Nazarullah. Yeah. So I mean, as as I mentioned, you know, we need we need to put the uh, the hudud into context, don't we? Because if you know, just a handful of punishments uh, shouldn't be allowed to define the whole of the system. Okay, so we mentioned lots of aspects of this system here, but you're right. People will want to talk about these aspects and say, "Well, what about this? What about that?" So you'll say, "Well, you know, these are parts of the of the system, but they are, you know, they are there to. Um, I mean, they're quite radical punishments, aren't they? They're quite severe and they're quite harsh." And, and, you know, we, we acknowledge that that's the case. Yeah. But so are the crimes that they're there to deal with. And remember, the context of these crimes is not someone doing something that is, you know, in the comfort of their home. So, you know, people committing, you know, um, forbidden acts in their, in, their, in the comfort of their home or in, in a hotel or somewhere like this wouldn't, you know, wouldn't um, affect the society and there wouldn't be punishments that we're talking about, like the, the hudud. But anything that's done in public that's affected the public, uh, uh, the public and the rights of a violation of the rights of Allah, 
then these will be, you know, these will be dealt with quite harshly. And that's why the ulama have said that these, you know, there are some, certain things that the state will look to protect. The you know the these these are things which are sacred. The red lines for us, you know, which are um, the the protection of the honor, protection of the life, property um, of uh, you know of uh, of people. That well, these are sacred things. Okay, these are our red lines. And every state, every nation has these red lines, don't they? Every nation will say, you know, we're going to punish people harshly because of these reasons. We have these, you know, these things, which I think if we were to, you know, to discuss with people, they will see these are important things. Yeah, these things aren't sacred anymore. See, someone could take a life or take property and it's not a big deal. People want, they don't, please don't investigate now. If you, you get your mobile phone stolen in the street, that's why people have insurance. They'll say, well, you have insurance, don't you? So they're not, not going to bother investigating that. They just don't have the resources, the manpower. It's not designed to deal with that. Yeah. Whereas in the Islamic system, we we consider consider crime as an aberration. It's not it's not a norm. It's not something that's you know that uh, that that should exist. Whereas here, it's it's the norm, isn't it? We we uh, you know people are punished. Um, you know, you're almost punished if you're innocent sometimes because you didn't do the right thing. You had your phone, you know, or you were talking on your phone in this in this in this area, or you left your phone on your dashboard. You know, it's your fault. But really, the the onus should be on on criminals. So yes, Islam is very harsh against those people who are criminals. But you know, if you're a, uh, an innocent person, if you're a victim, then Islam is lenient with you. Yeah, but if you're going to you know violate uh, these norms, these red lines, then Islam will look to to punish them. But as I say, there are just a handful of the uh, of these punishments. Most of the vast majority will be the ta'zirat, which are at the discretion of the judge. And this judge, as we said, uh, it will be someone who is a faqih, who knows the judicial system, and he will punish people um, appropriate to the crime. Yeah, because he'll be a, a, a trained individual. We won't use allow bias and um, his own prejudices to um, to uh, affect his his judgment. And we know that hadith of the of the um, um, Prophet when he said that the, the judge shouldn't judge uh, when he uh, between two people when he's angry, right? We know that, we, and this tells us that not just when he's angry, but any form of of uh, of influence that will affect his judgment will be could be an issue. So we don't have like trial by media here, like you know this 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 idea that you know sometimes the the media will get hold of a um, of a of a crime and they will be involved. You know they will just start pushing the you know affecting the affecting the verdict. I was reading, you know one one particular case where a guy was. Um, was was jailed for 23 years in, in America. A British tourist had gone over there with her husband, newly married, had been shot. This guy wasn't even in the area, yeah? And it, later it transpired, I think 17 years down the line, it transpired that it was, it was someone else that had, did, had done it. But five years later, the guy was still in prison. Yeah, so it's, it's you know, we, and we hear any stories like this. A guy who's, who's, who's um, been convicted unfairly um, because the, the, the burden of proof is, you know, I mean, the, the system is so easily affected by the media because in the beginning of that of that particular case um you know the british media took up that that trial i think it was in the early 90s and you know they were they were outraged and they put a lot of pressure on the uh, on the american system there to to convict this individual they just wanted someone to be to pay for this crime okay so we don't allow that we don't have a system which is which is biased in that way and that will allow people a whim to be punished punished for anything let alone the hudud <laughs> Brothers, uh, please go ahead and interject if you have a question. I think Dr. Um, uh, Dr. John has a question. If you want to go ahead, Dr. John. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. 
Um, I just want to make a comment about the jury system because um, I don't know how many brothers have been asked to do jury service and um, how they got out of it. But basically, they are trying to force you to go to the jury's, uh, jury attendance. And if you don't, actually, you know, you can be, I think, fined and harsh, harshly censored about it. So uh, when I was younger, I got it and I said, I'm busy as junior doctor and I can't do it. I'm doing life-saving stuff. My son had it the other day and it was COVID and he tried all sorts of things. But, but they're trying to force you to go along to judge, you know, what is right and what is wrong. You know, when we know Allah SWT has revealed to mankind, you know, what is the way to judge? Who, who am I to judge between people and decide what is right and wrong and what the punishment? And I think it's also very dangerous because you could be a fully-fledged certified neo-Nazi, but just because you've got a normal CRB, that doesn't mean you're a good person. Or you could have a personality disorder, or you could have a psychotic mental illness. Yeah, you could have learning difficulties, maybe. But you know, I don't know what criteria they use. But I've never had, as a doctor, people from the uh, judicial system asking me about the mental health, or the cognitive capacity, or you know, their social social aspects of any any person. Are we saying that people who, um, you know, maybe for a medical reason or psychiatric reason, um, you know, um, from no fault of their own? should be allowed to go. And how about people with very defective, you know, um, whichever angle, even from their own angle, but from our angle, viewpoints and attitudes and practices in life, which are not strictly outside the law of this land, should be allowed to judge, yeah? People who may have been had, uh, you know, very, very poor care of their children, or have been very, very harsh or, or rude to their parents, or who have been very, very, uh, you know, conniving, and uh, dis disreputable in, amongst their family or about colleagues or in business. Yes, some of these people may end up with criminal records, but for a criminal record before that, there's lots of lots of things they could have done and been before they come and judge between you know other people. And lastly, um, you know, um, I would say I think it's all fake that you're getting being judged by your peers. You can't judge the system. Yeah, what are the laws and what are the subsections and what are all the, you know, you know, what is the law on the matter? You only decide if you're a jury, juror, did he do it or didn't he do it? Yeah. Mm. And you don't decide the level of, of the sentence. I, I believe the judge decides that. Yeah. And, you know, so there's so many, so it's just like a fake thing. You've got people who are unqualified, unexperienced, who have no knowledge of the system, who may be very biased, yeah, who don't want to be there and are forced to be there in certain circumstances and only have a tiny input within the system in that sense, are you guilty or not, yeah? Um, so, you know, this is something which, you know, is, is I can see even externally is full, full of errors and a very defective practice. Why don't you have the best people who understand the law, in our case, the Sharia, in their case, whatever it is, which is a little value to us, but who understand the law in the best way with the best, best experience, who can weigh evidences, or experienced people, and who have been kind of like, uh, you know, vetted for, you know, aspects of their personality or their demeanor or their history. So uh, you know, it's really quite shocking, but, you know, most people uh, find law something which is alien to them. And, you know, you know, you can't change these things in these societies. They've been established over multiple hundred years, um, and you can't undo it no matter how, how corrupt they are. Just a few comments. No, no, definitely. I mean, it's not, remember, it's not just the jury. You've got, also got magistrates, courts as well that are run by uh, lay people that, are, you know, again, that are not um, 
legally trained. Uh, and I said it's almost by um, by design that it's a system that you can't really you know en- enter into. It's unnecessarily complicated and difficult to navigate for for the average person. So how someone can think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm in a good position here to judge in this case here or to give my verdict on in in this case here is like you know it's it's, it's beyond me. And that's why you know some experts. I was reading this article about the um, com- comparison of of this adversarial system. And the disadvantages of it in, in in this sense that you've got these and also you have these two parties at each other's throats arguing and the jury thinks, oh, you know, he sounded this guy sound, sounded very convincing. And it's about, you know, it's about that who sounds more convincing, who's able to, you know, again, we've seen that in TV dramas where someone is, you know, the, the lawyer is, is arguing this impassioned way. He gives a really great speech, his, his summation at the end, and, you know, he wins it. Yeah. And it's all through, the you know, the way he wins over the jury. And this is like, you know. How can someone's life or their well-being be at stake based on you know these twelve people, you know, and 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 the and the the oratory skills of this of this lawyer, you know, surely it has to be one individual. This inquisitorial system that Islam, you know, um, um, envisages, which is that he, the judge, who study the issue, study the facts of the issue, because this is what it's about. He wants to establish guilt or innocence in, in the situation, or who is at fault in a, in a situation, and it's about the evidence. You don't need two people arguing about that. I mean, he. You can potentially have an Islam allows for, you know, new other judges to be there advising him, talking, you know, talking through him, telling him about what the law is in this area, what this faqih says or this this alim says or whatever. But he makes a decision ultimately. Okay, you can have that situation, uh, but but ultimately you want one individual who studies the issue and establishes guilt or innocent innocence. That's what you want. You don't want these two people, you know, introduce these two people plus a lay a lay jury. Which you could introduce all kinds of biases and prejudices into the into the verdict. That's a recipe for disaster. Jazakallah khair. Um, there's a comment I think by Brother Idris. Um, uh, my mother was asked to do jury service. It was extremely difficult to explain to the court that my mother's English wasn't up to uh, the required standards. So. That's just an experience, I think, uh, from Brother Idris there. Yeah. I was just wondering also, uh, by Farhad, you, you talked about the punishment system, you talked about the qadis, the judges, um, how the, uh, the system uh, is um, the problems of criminality. Um, but t- today, for example, um, you know, around us, we have the Muslim world and uh, we're living in societies today. Um, and, and these things are happening all around us, you know, the issue of adultery, uh, crime, people killing, uh, stabbing, etc. Um, but uh, how, how do we solve these problems today then in terms of who actually punishes these people? Uh, even in the, in the Muslim world, it's not uh, exactly just as it is more of a totalitarian state or a dictatorial state. Um, so who, who, who will take on this mantle of actually punishing? Is it, the, the, Allah SWT has ordained this punishment, who's going to do it? So obviously, you know, this is we're not talking about here. Um, you know, not, we're not advocating here um, setting up Sharia courts. Um, you know, here, here in here in the in the Western world, even though, of course, as much as we're able to, we want to educate our issues, whether it's you know to do with businesses or family law, on the basis of Islam. But you know, what would by demonstrating the, the effect, you know, the efficacy of the the judicial system within Islam, we're advocating the implementation of Islam as a as a whole. Right, and you need to have a, a that will do that because all this all this stuff will work within the context of a state where people are, you know, they are, um, you know, they've got certain values, 
they believe in the system because you know we the judicial system or the or re, um um seeking the the um remedy through the judicial, judicial system really is a last resort isn't it you ideally want a situation where people have certain values and they will generally interact with each other on the basis of of the islamic ideals so we're hoping that because you know people have this idea of of community they have a social responsibility the concept of enjoying good and forbidding evil uh, and they will have a society that will you know facilitate that through education through advertising through the the government uh, communications uh, through the you know khilafah system that you will have this whole package and and hopefully that 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 will mean of course, it will it will always occur that people will have disputes and will have issues and there will be crime, but we hope we're hoping that that will be less than you know prevalent that we see that we see in the Western world where people are you know there is there always going to be that criminal element yeah because of the idea of individualism, that idea of you know the, uh, of um, of uh, you only live once, the idea of benefit, all of these these values there, they they naturally lend themselves to a criminal you know, a criminal element being the norm in the, in the society, don't they? If you've got this idea that people will commit crimes. So, you know, you, you need va the right values within the system, yeah, within, with, and you need the right system. So we need to have both working together. And that, you know, of course, that Khilafah system is, is absolutely necessary, but, you know, the, the these values that exist that need to be out there and that need to permeate the society, they're going to be key uh, in ensuring a, a well-functioning society. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just want to um, uh, mention one example of injustice uh, in this uh, system, capitalist system, uh, particularly in UK. Uh, in the absence of the person who is involved in the case, for example, Talks Sharif and uh, Shamima Begum, without their presence, they just decided uh, the punishment for them. So it doesn't look like it. Uh, it's what kind of justice is this? It's completely. It, it will not be like this in Islam, isn't it? Just yeah. a chart comment. Yeah. Exactly. I, mean, I mean that. I think that that case was a good example. I mean, you know, we talked about trial by media, and um, how political pressure can influence the outcomes of of uh, of, um, of of cases. And you know that that documentary details quite a few of those. How the the media's influence and political pressure can influence the outcomes of outcome of outcomes of cases. Um, you know, that, that's a good example of that, isn't it? That there would be a public outcry if you, you know, you, you give rights or you allow a, um, a, you know, say a Muslim terrorist or an extremist to, to come into the country or to be released early. There would be public outcry, wouldn't there? So, the, you know, it's, it's uh, no stretch of the imagination to say that many of these decisions are, are being made with one eye to public opinion, with one eye to polit the political pressure that's, that's you know that's that's coming, you know, that's breathing down your neck. So you know clearly it's not about reaching the the right verdict or the right you know the what's right doing what's right. It's about doing what the public want or what the media uh, you know are asking you to do. And you know this is this is this influence is well documented. You know the influence of, of political pressure. There are even examples of. Certain political figures, for example, that have been um, that have gone through the system and have come out unscathed, even though they were guilty, because of of the uh, of the repercussions that the lawyers and and the people who were involved in it um, felt. So, um, you know, it's a, it, obviously it's an unfair system at its core. 
Brothers, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our session today. Jazakallah um, for your questions and comments, and by Jazakallah for going through such an important topic for us. Um, this is something that we should uh, be uh, discussing out there in the wider society. Uh, is there anything else you want to finish off with, by Farad at all? Uh, no, that was it, really. I mean, just just to, to reiterate that point, that I think there's a lot of money that can be gained to to you know. Um, talking about these various aspects and you know looking understanding the details of the, the Islamic system because you know the, the you know the general public don't know this so I think if we you know go in and you know study this these uh, these issues in more detail we're able to give confidence to the Muslims you know that there is an alternative we represent um, and that way inshallah gives them confidence for them to call for it yeah um, inshallah next week. Um... Uh, we should reconvene next Friday. Um, inshallah, we've uh, had brother who will be discussing the is Islam and the environment. Um, also, we're going to be changing the format for next week as well. Um, we'll be uh, swapping over to uh, Facebook Live. Um, so if the brothers want to make a Facebook account so they can join us on Facebook Live, um, you can obviously watch the video even without Facebook Live, but if you wanted to make comments, etc., you need to have an account uh, with Facebook. Um, so hopefully next week uh, we'll be signing on on Facebook. So if the brothers want to practice or uh, go to the um, Facebook page for the Friday Circle, the Facebook page is called the Friday Circle or www.facebook.com front slash TF Circle front slash. So that's the Friday Circle TF Circle. So uh, inshallah, brothers, we'll uh, read. Convene next week and Jazakallah uh, to all yourselves and Jazakallah by Friday. One more question before you go, brother. Um, will, we, will we be able to make live comments or will it just only be written? Uh, on Facebook, it's actually just written comments. So um, if you want to uh, open up an account with Facebook, that way you can actually put in a written comment, inshallah. Okay, there's no more speech. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't think the Facebook uh, platform has that ability. So we're, we're trialing it at the moment. So let, let's see how we get on, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Barakallah peace. Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikum salam. Assalamu Mr. Farhad. Waalaikum salam. How are you doing? I'm okay, brother. You, you, you're still on, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I'm still on. I'm just trying to get off. Okay, you're right. Yeah, nice to see you again, inshallah. Yeah, nice to see you. Thank you very much for the talk. Take care, inshallah. Take care. Disconnect this now. My friend, how did you get on with the PC? Yeah, I'm doing it's good. I mean, I don't... <laughs> just doing these things here, I think it's all right, but um, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's fine. I'm doing It's much better than my PC, this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, using my my son's one. I thought I'd, I'd try this one to see. Uh... I think my one would have been too slow. We've got lots of um, issues with that one. Okay, that's good. This was quite smooth. The video and everything was nice and smooth. So, inshallah, hopefully. You yeah. But I have, you know, I uploaded the wrong slides. You know that? This is the previous version. Previous oh, really? version. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, sorry. the previous version that I've done. I've done the other ones really nicely, but um, oh. I think you said we uploaded the wrong ones here. But there's a difference. But there was some glitches in this one that um, I, I'd sorted out. But this is the, I think this is the one I sent you. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I, I read it. I, you know, there's some spelling mistakes and typos in there. Right, right. 
if, if I can okay. give you one, uh, one piece of advice that was given to me when I was doing slides and things. Yeah. That, um, when you're doing slides, um, you don't want to have too many words on there. For example, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Slide, you've got uh, it's like lots of sentences, lots of words. Um, yeah. Uh, what you want is to sort of sort of short, uh, uh, sharp uh, bullet points. Um, and maybe, like you said, possibly in the new ones, you've got some diagrams and things to show percentages and stuff. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot better. That's a good idea. Yeah, pictures. Yeah, pictures a little bit more hard hitting. Um, but I, you know, <laughs> I tried doing that. I, I couldn't download pro pictures in there as well. I'm not very, you know, I'm not very IT literate. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge. But, I, I'm, you know, I managed to do this first one. I was quite impressive. I got I did this one first and I thought, oh, great. I'm going to be, I'm going to be right at this. But, no, um, no, generally it's very good. I mean, in terms of the content is very good. It's just yeah. a case of, uh, when people are looking at slides, it's, uh, um, uh, people don't like, like reading very much when they're reading slides. They get no, of course, yeah. brought down by the reading more than anything else. Uh, but yeah. you know, the layout and everything's really good. I mean, in terms of the way you laid things out, uh, nice and clear. You've got clear titles of each one, uh, yeah. uh, and then you've got the writing underneath. Um, I like the uh, title page as well. You've got uh, Lady Justice at the top there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so nice. yeah, yeah, I had, I had a, I had a, yeah, I had a, I had a diagram, a picture of her as well. I put put that. That's not in this one either. So I was quite surprised. I saw the, oh, where's that diagram going? I thought, oh my god, this is the wrong ones. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no mind, it happens. It happens to all of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You should you should see all the problems I had today trying to set it up with Facebook. Is it? Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting day today. Um, at least you're better than me at all this stuff, isn't it? So. I, I get there, yeah, but uh, just like you, if it's something unfamiliar, then it takes a bit more of a learning curve. Yeah. yeah. It, it, brother, you know, you, you, you tried Zoom, but it didn't work out, did it? Uh, we used yeah. Zoom once, yeah, and uh, we had various problems with security-wise, so we decided not to carry on with that. Yeah, yeah because other, other brothers have used Zoom, and it seemed to work really perfectly. It seems to be a very good platform. Uh, it's, it's, it's got better. Uh, but in the early days, it was uh, very weak uh, in terms of security. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You can even try that because basically you can have pictures up everywhere and then be, you know, um, uh, t given a talk as well. Uh, I think you do the same thing here as well. Um, yeah, you can do the same thing here as well. Um... But, but, but the thing with WebEx, I found that if you have too many pictures up, it kind of slows things down. With the oh, other one, they call... Okay. Yeah, the other the other Zoom, it, it, you know, I've, I've, there's some other uh, brothers, but we use it, I was using it with, and it seemed to be everyone's got their pictures up, and it's all nice and smooth. I'm like, wow, mashallah. Okay, we'll have a look at that. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a look at that, inshallah. Yeah, definitely, man. Okay, then, brother. I'm gonna call up. I've just got a phone call, inshallah. Yeah. Okay. Inshallah. Yeah. Okay, then. Salaam alaikum. Take care, inshallah. Yeah. Take, Take care, brother. Have you gone with your um, with your laptop? Well, I haven't gone to the case at all. But basically, I mean, I'm just I'm still using it until I mean, since since God God knows when, but I'm still using it until I last until I finish it off, and then once it starts, you know, really going slow and you know becoming inefficient yeah. then i'll just i'm just going to milk it for all i can and then i'm just going to get rid of it okay so you're still in the slow lane at the moment huh say again you're still in the slow lane yeah yeah but, but it but it does what i want anyway so i'm all right but you know youtube is starting to fade away on it as well and 
you know, um, uh, some other applications are starting to get a bit funny. So don't worry, I'm coming to your place soon. Once that's once it all collapses, me, I like to use things up, and then once they all, you know, start giving me significant problems, then I just think to myself, I might as well visit Avtab and then uh, fix it all up. So I'll probably get it done in the new. But I think you're making life hard for yourself in terms of using uh, Windows um, Vista. Vista. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, the 250 gigabyte uh, SSD is 37 pound 30. Yep. The 500 gigabyte is 54 pounds. So. Was it SSD or is it MX? It's an SSD. SSD. Was it called MX something or not? 500. MX 500 SSD. That's right. Yeah. So. I mean, I think you should definitely move over and uh, start putting some new software on there rather than working. I mean, Vista's gone. I mean, Vista was uh, like old, old back in the day. So no wonder you're having problems with uh, YouTube and other things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, but, if uh, I were to. For that small investment, you, you'd make a big difference. Huge difference, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I think but you know. Well. Say again? I think you'll notice the difference as well. There'll be a massive difference. It'll be like yeah. working with a new computer again. Yeah, and what about like the camera? It would be the same anyway, wouldn't it? The, the hardware would be the same. Yeah, all you're changing is just the hard drive, really, just to uh, speed things up. The software. Yeah, the software. You're installing software as well. Yeah, it's obviously the, you get the latest software, so uh, that's definitely a lot better than uh, Vista. And so you know, I'd be able to get all that Zoom and WebEx and everything, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, you'd be able to download and install it. Yeah, it's, it's all compliant with Windows 10, isn't it? Compatible. Yeah. With it. And what about WhatsApp? Would I be able to um, download that as well? Uh, yeah, I've got it on my computer. Yeah, you just download the and It's called WhatsApp, so, and you can use it on your PC as well. So basically, it could go through your own telephone number. Is that what you're saying? Uh, what do you mean by your own telephone number? So basically, would would what you have on your mobile number for um, WhatsApp be coming up on uh, WhatsApp on your PC? Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.